This is Tiger Cats post game on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. I don't know if I need this kind of drama in my life. Hamilton Tiger Cats win number two of the season. They pull off and hold on for a 24-17 victory over the Montreal Alouettes, who were a very game football team in the fourth quarter. Bob O'Neill, Andy Fantus with you. And what, what we're going to do here, we're going to look at our Tiger Cats post-game show just to give you the menu. We're going to review Andy's car start keys to victory, three of them as always. We will have uh, exclusive access to the coaching room, so we will talk to Coach Joe. Hopefully, he's and a happy one. He should be in this one. Uh, a player, uh, possibly Dylan Wimp, our performer of the game as presented by Hercules Tire, right on our strength. We'll present that. And then we'll have our roundtable. Luke Tasker and Courtney Steven will join us here in the booth. Okay. Andy. I mean, we talked about a convincing victory. I don't know if convincing uh, is a word, but a win is a win. A win is a win, but Gee, making a sweat over here. 24 to 6 late in the game and coming down to the wire uh, with a chance to, to, to tie the game at the end for Montreal. Boy, uh, don't like to make it easy. But this is a, this is one nice, a nice character win to, to have that comeback creeping up on you, but find a way to get the job done and find a way to get the win with the big interception uh, to seal the game. So you got to be proud of the proud of this team throughout the throughout the whole game. I mean, there were some amazing amazing efforts in that fourth quarter by Montreal players to 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 really keep those drives alive. I mean, those it was highlight show out there. Let's review your car start three keys to victory. Well, number one was defend the quick release, and I'm going to give that a thumbs up. I mean, they. There, there were times where Trevor Harris was just dropping back and, and, and getting it to his players quick, but you, you by, the, by the stat of having five sacks, and those were covered sacks. I mean, he was going through his second, third, fourth reads. So what he thought was there initially when the snap, was, when the snap happened was not there. Uh, so they did a good job disguising of covering those voids and and making him hold on to the ball and he, he ended up having to make some plays with his with his feet to really to keep drives going late in the game so uh the Ticats did a great job of really snuffing that out and not making it easy for Trevor Harris in the Montreal offense well, that's a great point that Harris ran four times and we know I mean we've seen these uh, mobile quarterbacks that the Tiger Cats have faced over the last couple of weeks um Trevor Harris generally does not want to run, but he was forced to run because of that defensive line that was just firing in all cylinders. Number two. Number two was the Kahari effect. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to quantify what the Kahari effect is, you know, just sitting here watching the game live. But you're looking at it and you're thinking, they put a pretty good handle on what Montreal was doing at least for three quarters of the game there. Other than a few uh, outstanding efforts on, on single play, individual efforts on plays, uh, I think the, the team had a great idea a great idea of what Montreal was doing. So I got to just, I got to lean towards giving them a thumbs up, even though it's hard to really know uh, without being in that, in that locker room and on that sideline. 
I'm not going to lie. I think I was walking around here um, before the game thinking that the Tiger Cats were going to blow out the Alouettes. And I'm going to be honest, at 24-7, I was feeling real good. My chest was out. And then things got crazy in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I thought they did a great job of handling the situation for three quarters. But um, it seemed like the Alouettes did go to a different playbook. And really, I think you said it there pretty, pretty much that they came up there and made some outstanding catches, their receiving core. It was incredible. It was they were so they were just game of inches. It was, it you know that that 23 yard catch to Eugene Lewis. It couldn't have been any closer. And in between two guys, just making an outstanding fingertip catch, right at the yard mark. I mean, you don't with great make, coverage. With great coverage, two guys on him. You can't make this stuff up. But uh, you know, you just gotta you gotta hand it to the cast, though. I mean, they they. they you could feel it, you know, in the Calgary game, in the Edmonton game. You could kind of feel that lead slipping away, and it was similar tonight. Yet they dug in. They got some, some a lot of pressure on that last drive, uh, you know, forcing Trevor to run and make some plays, and and then coming up with the big INT to seal it. Uh, just just a nice character win, and they, the team should feel good about it. We asked, you know, we talked about what's this opportunity? Find out who you are, and. I think I think this is a great a great step in the right direction for this six game stretch. Key number three, interesting here. Number three was win the turnover battle, and they won the turnover battle tonight. They won, was it th three to one with that last one, right? Yeah, two, two to, to one. one, two to one, two to one, two to one. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Uh, and really, the Dunbar fumble. I mean, I <laughs> he got nailed from. Uh, you can't out of space. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no way he could have known that was not one of those irresponsible fumbles or interceptions that we have talked about earlier in the season. There is no way he could have seen what was coming there. So, I mean, yeah, it, it technically is a turnover, but. But it was a clean game. But most importantly, that, that was one of those uh, almost unavoidable fumbles. Uh, like you said, just getting blasted from, from a... <laughs> You know, it's like getting in a car accident or something. You just get inside swiped. You can't can't do anything about it. Um, so so a clean game. Dane Dane and Matthew Schultz took care of the football as far as uh, throwing the ball, and you could see that there was an extra emphasis on on uh, wrapping it up. That iron cross went in contact and making sure there wasn't any uh, you know loose uh, loose pigskin to to kind of punch at during those uh, those those fighting for those extra yards. Yeah, we talked about offensive creativity. So I'll start with the quarterbacks here. Dane Evans goes 13 out of 18, uh, 206, one touchdown pass, no mistakes. Schiltz, 7 of 10 for 44 yards, and he also runs uh, four times for 42 yards with that 30-yard explosion. There was a lot of back and forth in terms of the quarterbacks, and um, I, I, saw, I thought Schiltz had more playing time than I expected. He did. He did. Yeah, we, especially in that first half when they were—they both had the same amount of pass attempts. Uh, five for seven for Schultz, and at four for seven for Dane Evans at one point in time. Um, it, you know, Dane Evans has had a great game, and there's no reason to think that he would get pulled. But Matthew Schultz just brings a little, a little something different to this offense, and it's—it's it's certainly tough to defend. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a totally like flip the switch type of diff, different offense. And his athleticism, you know, I've said this before, he just continues to impress. He, he's, he, his vision all across the field and his speed and his, his elusiveness uh, 
<laughs> just comes out of nowhere. So it's so fun to watch, and and uh, it's kind of a nice dynamic to have going with the one-two punch. Well, I, I think it would be irresponsible of, of me not to ask this question. Dane Evans is listed as the starting quarterback. I mean, when you're a starter, you expect to start. You expect to play the majority of the snaps in the game. I gotta throw that to you. I mean, I mean, hey, I'm no Dane has proven it time and time again. He's all about the win. But do you feel like maybe your position's being encroached upon? <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly think it's natural to feel that as an athlete. And uh, it, but with the way the season's been going and the amount of turnovers and, and especially his fumbles, you gotta expect that there's gotta be some kind of uh, fire lit to to make sure that you're you know you're not just feeling like you can do whatever you want and your job secure. Uh, so regardless of how serious it is that he will lose the starting job, um, I think it's okay to have a little shakeup. Uh, you know, some of the best players in the world get benched here and there, and that really sparks them to and motivates them to to really dive you know dive into their their game and their fundamentals and and really get back to just loving football again and doing it for the that you know I'm not I'm going somewhere that I don't even mean to go with Dane because I know he's not he's not feeling too comfortable he didn't he's not high on his horse or anything like that but mm -hmm. it's just it's just good to have that that competition back into the game so that you know you know that you know you're just preparing and executing at an elite level at a constant basis let's go round table style Luke Tasker and Courtney Steven joins us here as we go four man four wide on this uh, topic and I Luke I gotta ask you this question because I know this is going to be a topic of discussion I mean all the way up until the Toronto game who's the starting quarterback of this team yeah I uh I think it's I think it clearly is Dane Evans still and I you look at the interceptions per game and you he had a pair of interceptions in the first four games. And then since then, in, this, in the next three, he's gone 0-1-0 interceptions. And, of course, he's getting a few less opportunities because Matt Schultz is taking some reps. But I, I think so. I think my answer stays with Dane because he's not playing bad. He played good tonight. I don't think you can say at, at any way. There, he, his mistakes were very limited and not, uh, not overly damaging to the offenses, offensive efforts. I think he played very good tonight. Uh, the other, the flip side of this is, and to the reason why they're giving, doing some of this changing up is, I think it's as simple as it's just, it's also working at times. Like Matt Schultz is going in there and doing some impressive things and making some plays. I think he runs the ball very well. I think he he, he gets a few extra yards than what you're expecting from him. And then of course he had an, that an explosive run, the longest run of the season actually was Matt Schultz in, in the first half here. And uh, so I, I think part of it is just, it, it's working. Dane doesn't seem it's not he's obviously not the type of guy who gets frustrated or sort of shuts down in a situation like this uh, and and he's honestly been playing better since Schultz has been on the field at times you know what I liked about Dane today was that he he seemed to be stepping into all his throws it, what I found last week it, on some of those passes he was sort of throwing off his back foot and they came up a little bit short especially on those fade balls to the to the slot backs and today he was he was stepping into everything and even when he was scrambling out of the pocket he was still had his eyes downfield and he would turn his shoulders square them up and step into it and throw some strikes he had a number of, of second down conversions on those type of plays which shows a, a, like a level of confidence and and demeanor that you need as as your as your guy and a guy that's going to take you to the promised land one of the things we discussed in the pregame show is that this team needs to find an identity and i think this this game right to me at least for three quarters it was defined in the sense that this defense is leading this team 
Uh, and I think Cariel Brooks, we'll talk to you, Courtney, about this here. Guy doesn't play for six, seven weeks, gets injured during training camp, five tackles, three, I have it at three pass breakups. There could have been more. He was outstanding. Cariel Brooks is a pro. And, and what do you ask of a professional is to always be prepared. He's a guy that has, I haven't been in the locker room. I haven't been in the meeting room. But I can guarantee by knowing his persona and what he brings to the locker room is he was one of those guys that was still getting prepared to play even when he was rehabbing an injury. And that's the kind of performance that he had today was one of a, a consummate pro who when the lights come on, he just has to be himself. And you know what? It's also a credit to that outstanding pass rush they had today with five sacks. That's the kind of D-line that makes it easier to be a DB in pro football. When the quarterback's under duress, it makes it a little bit easier for you to get, you know, maybe there is a ball that you could put your hand on when a quarterback's not throwing with confidence. So uh, defense all around, you know, hats off. They did a great job. The uh, They had five sacks tonight, and Trevor Harris did an incredible job of escaping a few more of them. So you got to hand it to him. He had a, he had a very impressive second half. And the Ticats came into this game last in the league in sacks, and they and they five in, in one game tonight. I mean, they just they've really turned the page on that and gotten back to what was a dominating part presence of their defense uh, in the 2021 season. And it wasn't even the five sacks. I mean, there was several pressures. Let's let's yeah. be honest with that. All right, so we talked offense, defense. Got to swing at the special teams here, and there were some failures here. Worthy with a 40-yard punt return. Philpot goes 58 yards in what could have been a game-changing, uh, maybe even a tie score had he not been upset by the punter, Don Miguela, with two huge tackles today. And then there was a fake punt as well, too, that they converted, Andy. That's uh, something they got to clean up. Yeah, you don't want to get beat. You know, it's, it's Craig Butler and his special teams unit is going to take this one to heart. Because they, they just outright got beat in all phases of the special teams. And uh, that is unlike this team so far this season and unlike the team that they want to be. Uh, ju just a couple minor um, contain issues. You know, you, you always talk about getting the depth of the kick returner as the contain man. So meaning you're going to run downfield, get as deep as the, the, guy, uh, the, the returner is, and be, you know, five yards wide from him. Make sure that he can't get around you. Well... Worthy took a couple steps forward and then a couple jump cuts. Uh, you think of uh, <laughs> like a basketball move or like right. an old Reggie Bush play or something. Um, and they were huge jump cuts, and he got he broke contain, and and it's tough to catch with with this big field. So um, yeah, Montreal kept them in the game with their special teams, and that's something that needs to be cleaned up. Luke, that is a bit of, a bit of a surprise to me that uh, two teams on back to back weeks have been able to pull off fake punts. Yeah, that is interesting, and it was at just the right time you know if you could if you could if you told somebody watch the game and tell me when the perfect time for a fake punt is like you would have guessed right then you know took me by surprise but in hindsight it's 2020 and it's like wow that was actually right when they needed it they made it happen very well executed uh the Ticats came into this the best punt coverage unit in the league and it just didn't didn't go well tonight i think you, you can't fail to mention though they're missing some key players and a few more went down tonight as far as their special team score. Nick Cross has been out, and Ternowski is now out, who's made some great uh, uh, plays. Curtis Newton is now was now missing by the end of that game, and so that hurts too. I mean, I remember those games where your Mike Daly's and your Courtney Stevens are all of a sudden gone, and it looks it feels a little different out there without the guys who are anchoring some of these units. And, and uh, you know, you gotta, you got to count that as well, but you're right, Andy. Uh, you know, I can visualize 
our special teams meetings with Jeff Reinbold after <laughs> a game where it got away from us like that, uh, and it's better to do it out of win. But you know, Craig Butler is is uh, maybe this is going to be the hardest uh, post game and sort of film breakdown for him, even though it was the uh, the, the second win they got. Andy, let's uh, let it the secret out here. Our performer of the game, as presented by Hercules Tire, right on our strength. He is. We ended up going with Dylan Wynn. He had five tackles and a, and a huge sack, and part of a defensive line who th that got five sacks and a, a number of further pressures on top of that. So uh, I had to go with somebody on that D line, and and Dylan Wynn stood out stood out the most to me of really wreaking havoc. Mika Johnson was a maniac. Julian mm -hmm. Hauser is always uh, they, these guys really really put together the first complete game. Uh, or the best complete game, or the most complete game that we've seen so far this season. And one of Wynn's tackles was one that was ended up in a turnover on downs as well, too, on that third down gamble late in the in the contest. Um, you bring up Mika Johnson, and the old man was coming tonight. Hey, you know what? He's been here for a while, and he's made a name for himself across the league from being disruptive. Uh, I think we saw that, that Micah, tonight. And you know what? He's probably himself feeling a little bit more confident going back into the locker room and then rolling that into the next week of prep. Like, you know what? I, I am who I thought I was. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's great to see, but it's, it, all, it all starts with Dylan Wynn, right? He gets him started. He, he also appropriately finishes the deal with that third down tackle. So it was, it was great to see his effort. And uh, let's, let's hear what he has to say. Well, it's our performer of the game as presented by Hercules Tire, right on our strength. And, of course, let's go down to the locker room. We have exclusive access to uh, our guy that we were just talking about. This post-game interview is presented by Access Storage. Dylan Wynn, five tackles, turnover on downs. You brought the sack. Uh, you got to be a happy man, and more importantly, you get the win. That's a good one tonight there, Dylan. Man, you guys are too kind. You made that intro sound real nice. I appreciate you. Yeah, good win, man, by the whole team. Dylan, how fun is it to play when everybody on the on the line and just all around you is eating like that, and you're just constantly in the backfield, getting pressure and taking turns, uh, getting the finishing the job. Man, we're a really close knit group on our defense, and there's nothing better than just everybody eating, everybody having a good time, and everybody balling out. It was, you know, it's nice. It's nice when uh, the work starts paying off. Hey, hey, Dylan, this is Courtney here. I know you. What's up, bro? <laughs> what's up, man? I know you guys have been putting in a lot of work, and and you've trusted the process up to this point to see the floodgates open. Uh, what does that do for you going into the next week of preparation? Man, it doesn't change nothing to be honest. We've been just chopping wood, chopping wood, chopping wood until our hands get bloody. It's finally nice to grow some calluses and start getting paid when those timbers start falling. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a nicely <laughs> strung out analogy, Dylan. The uh, hey, you guys, I know that the, that your guys' rush up front helps your your defensive secondary in the back. Does it go the other way? Carriel Brooks stands out for having a really great first game back. How much better does it make your guys' job up front when you've got guys breaking everything up and behind? Look, there's no pass rush without DBs, and there's no DB coverage without pass rush. We're married together. We all hang out. We all ball. And um, Like I said, when, when the whole defense is eating, man, it's a good time. Dylan, Dylan, let me ask you a question there. When things, uh, Montreal was kind of coming on there late in the fourth quarter there, mm -hmm. what, what was the message with the team there? I mean, when you're kind of feeling the heat a little bit, people, the fans here, the Tim Hortons feeling a little nervous, how'd you guys buckle down? 
I'm glad they're nervous because we weren't. You know, all we do is chop wood. Like I said, it's it's professional ball. They're gonna get theirs and tip their hat to them. And they got some real, real playmakers. And, you know, we didn't blink, and that's why we came out with the win. It's just refocus, re-roll, and just do your job. You just gotta do the one twelfth and don't panic, and everything will turn out right. Dylan, victory number two. Enjoy it. Uh, you, you're coming out with the rivals to, in a couple of weeks down oh, the road yeah. in the QEW. I'm sure you guys will back be all back. jammed up for that. So enjoy the yeah. week of practice, and uh, we look forward to chatting you throughout the week. Appreciate y'all having me. Have a good one. He is our performer of the game, as presented by Hercules Tire, right on our strength. And, of course, uh, that exclusive post-game interview is presented to you by Access Storage. Guys, let's talk about it. The Argos, I mean, all three of you guys lined up against the blue, the double blue. Uh, what is it, Andy, that where the level of play comes up, I don't know if it's 25%, I guess it depends on the situation, but there's something different when you're playing up and lining up against the Argonauts. <laughs> well, I remember my first year here in Hamilton, 2012, we were, the first time we were going to play the Argos was Labor Day, and... We were at the old Ivor Wynn, and our meeting room was in, like, a portable next to the field, like, probably <laughs> where the, the south end zone is now. And uh, so Scott Mitchell comes in, the, the, the CEO of the team comes in and just says, like, no, no matter what happens, we have got to win Labor Day. We have to beat the Argos. It's the only thing that matters. Like, he gave this, this awesome speech. I'm not doing it justice, but um, it, just, it just set that tone. And, and, and I think a lot of that – that energy also comes from the fans, from from just the 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 energy in the in the community as well. Uh, but the you know the games are always a little extra chippy. They're always close and can go in either way. Uh, it's a lot of fun playing playing the Argos. We've had some epic battles over the years, haven't we? No, I I think back to great to just great great games, especially the Labor Day Classics. But one thing I never did was play them four times in five weeks. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, who knows how that's going to progress? And this is this coming. Uh, and nice that the Ticats get a long week, by the way. That's gonna, it'll be a uh, to, for next Saturday, but that'll be the start of a really uh, incredible stretch of, of Toronto games mixed with one more Montreal. Courtney, the neat thing about this matchup against Toronto is the fact that as poor as maybe the first third of the season was and your head scratching with the Tiger Cats, all of a sudden you could be looking at first place. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the CFL. And when you play in the East Division, you're really competing against three other teams. And so, you know, Toronto, they're no slouches, right? Through five games, they've they swept their series with Saskatchewan. They've done some things. Um, but you know what? you get the same team four times, that's exactly what you want in terms of controlling your own destiny. So I think you, you, you game plan strategically. Maybe in the first game, you don't actually call all your plays and you save a couple for that second or that third or that, <laughs> that, that rare fourth. Uh, what do you call that? That's a quadruple header? <laughs> so, I'm well, a sportscaster, man. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the strategy that goes into this situation because, you know, this could have a very, very heavy impact on playoff implications, who finishes first, who finishes second, who makes it into the playoffs, who doesn't, if there's a crossover, if there's not. 
it'll be interesting to see it unfold. Right back to you. There's someone wearing a number 16 <laughs> that you've never played against. I mean, I know there was the game in Guelph in the preseason game. And even then, I think he caught like a 26-yard uh, little uh, little something over the middle. And then he turned around and looked at the sideline, that Ticat sideline. How inspiring would that be to face off against Brandon Banks for the first time as an opposition player? You know what? Like, he's one of the, the great players of the recent generation. So first and foremost, you know, I'm looking at it from that perspective of you got to put him on the game plan. You know, this is Speedy B. And he hasn't been having the season that he would want up to this point, but that has no impact on the game that you're about to play. And I think everybody needs to make sure they realize that at any given point in time, Brandon Banks can be faster than your fastest player. So if he if he gets out the hot tub and he's feeling it that day, <laughs> then you don't know if you're going to get that, that Brandon Banks that we've seen for the beginning of 2022 or if you're going to get the Brandon Banks that the black and gold fans have known and loved for many years. So it'll be interesting to see. And you know what? I'm looking forward to it. Both of his fellow receivers right now are both nodding heads here and Andy and Luke. Thoughts here, Andy. Well, you know he's going to have his chip on his shoulder as well, right? Tie cats are, <laughs> are uh, fans here are no no stranger to having ex tie cats kind of kind of uh, show up at the worst times uh, for for an opposition team. So, uh, but yeah, you know the the, the tie cat team will will as well, and they'll be they'll be eager to shut him down just as eager as he is to make a few plays. Uh, can't wait for the matchup. I hope. Uh, Excuse me. I hope, like after four games, the Labor Day game still has as much juice as it <laughs> as it normally does, because um, teams are going to be sick of each other. But it's yeah. it's still like like Courtney said, it really tells the season, and that's exactly where you want to be, where you control your own destiny. So you get three, or four of these plus the Montreal game. I mean, we talked about what what do we need to do? Is three and three in this stretch going to get it done? Probably not. Is four and two, maybe five and one, even better. Six and zero. Oh. Then you're really then you're really steering the ship. Well, it's interesting that you bring it up there. And look, you talk about this is Argonauts four times in five weeks. I don't know what the schedule maker was thinking, but regardless, I mean, I, by the time you've seen a team for the fourth time, you got to be there can be no secrets first of all, but you got to get real fed up with the guy that's you know you're lining up against. Yeah, you're going to remember everything from the previous weeks. I mean, there like that that energy and. And sort of rivalry between the players is going to build as well. You know, I mean, there, there's no doubt you're going to get some some parts, some some boiling over that happens on some parts of of the field. You know, I think in the the kicking game will be interesting to watch. You know, are are, are people are teams going to start trying to cheat here and there a little bit, a few inches, a few yards on either side, and are, are teams going to try to exploit and take advantage of that? And just saw we just saw uh, the second fake punt in a row uh, tonight, and you know, I wonder if we'll see some more of that. To quickly go back to Speedy B, so many times I've, I saw him when we were with him in the locker room make plays with with incredible timing. You know, he really turned it on when the time came and when the team needed the big play, the big return, the big catch. And I think, you know, his, his the way that he is, the competitor and athlete that he is, I think some little sparks are going to fly in his in his tiny little body when he comes back to Tim Hortons Field, and he's going to be ready to he's going to be ready to go. I I do think we'll see some some really highlight Speedy B. I, do you should the fans boo him? Like I mean I don't I don't even know what to expect. I mean what he did is his accomplishments with this team. I mean they're unmatched. 
I'm but really going to learn something not. new about Tim Hortons Field if he gets booed when he comes on here. Cause <laughs> yeah, I, I hope not. I don't think so. I mean, he, his name should be on the wall someday. I mean, he's a Hamilton legend. Uh, but like I said, if, if, these, if the fans boo Speedy B, that's that really is a. They booed O'Shea, <laughs> yeah. and they booed Morielli too. Who, yeah. who who came from here? Yeah. Right? Who knows? Who knows what's working? It's cutthroat around here, especially when you're when you're two and five, two and four, <laughs> and trying to you know trying to win the East. So it's, I nothing would surprise me. Uh, <laughs> so, hold on a second. We've just been informed by Peter, our assistant, our producer here. Um, this, Point number two when your car started three points. Was the Kahari effect. And uh, I, at the time, I, I kind of gave it a, a you know, a, a hesitant thumbs up. But we just found out that the Kahari Jones got the game ball from, <laughs> from the Ticats, from Orlando Steinhauer. So uh, now we're going to give that two thumbs way, way up. And obviously, <laughs> he made an impact, whether it was in the prep or in the in-game in -game, uh, adjustments. Um, one way or another, he... You know, he obviously made a difference. All right, guys, final thing here, practice. What does practice look like this week? I'm sure there's probably a better mood at practice. Well, absolutely, you're going to have a little bit more mojo, a little bit more energy heading into this week. But I think Coach O is saying, hey, you've seen what happens when you stay the course. Now, don't change the formula. Just just keep, like Dylan Wood said, keep chopping wood, stick to the grind, and good things are going to happen for us. Luke, practice. What do you think? You gonna everyone just gonna be real cool? You think? Well, I think this will actually. Pro you have a long week, first of all, and so and you're leading into this stretch of Toronto games. So this will probably be, I would think, a pretty hard week of practice. They're gonna really work because after this, you're probably gonna start tapering off of practices as you start to play Toronto again and again. And as those games progress, it's gonna be more film intensive than it is field work intensive as you start to play the same team over and over. So they'll get their work in this week, and it's always easier. And you're a little bit lighter on your feet putting that work in after a win. Andy, how do you feel going that, into this? Well, that's a great point. I think uh, you guys just nailed it. Um, uh, yeah, you, you got to, you, you know, Courtney said it earlier that you're, you're sort of playing this chess game of what are you going to show? What, are you gonna, what, do you, what plays are you going to call that are maybe trying to set up things for the next game or, or the game after that or the game after that? So it's, it's every game is a battle and and uh, but the the you know, the war or the long term is really to come out of that series three and one or four and zero oh, uh, or, or worst case even so you're gonna you're gonna be playing that 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 mind game of the coaches and I and I can't you know I can't get off air without kind of giving some love to coach and 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 the. The red flag in the last few games here. Mm -hmm. It's been mm -hmm. timely. It's been accurate. I don't know if it's he's trusting the players to make that call or the, the booth ahead up above. But um, his challenges have been on point, and they've been coming at key moments and, and really making a difference in the game. So shout out to Coach, uh, Coach O and his challenges. Hamilton Tiger Cats 24, Montreal Alouettes 17. Both teams, two and five, certainly well alive in the East where things are wild. Folks, thank you for listening. For Andy Fantuz, I'm Bubba O'Neill. Of course, Courtney Steven and Luke Tasker alongside here in the roundtable. We will return to the Tiger Cats Audio Network a week Saturday. We will be in Toronto. It is the Argonauts and Tiger Cats old rivals meeting for the first time with everything on the line. We are on the air at 6 p.m. with the Tiger Cats pregame as presented by Journey Rewards on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. Have a great week.